It's a non-mainstream podcast with your boy, Stuart Douglas, coming to you from Israel, as always. Got my lovely gold star Israeli-made beer, basically the Budweiser of Israel. Can't complain, you know? Cheap enough. Beer, beer is so expensive, man. If you want to buy, like, a craft beer, like, I can go to a grocery store and buy a craft beer. Like, there's, like, a two-for deal. It's, like, two for, like, seven bucks. I'm like, dude, I can buy almost a sixer at home of really good beer for like a little bit more than that. So I always bitch and moan about it, but, and I tend to stay away from that here. I mean, just the cost of imports is crazy high here. So, I mean, water is expensive here, right? Like people have turf yards because they don't want to pay to water their grass all the time. And the Israeli summer heat will probably kill it anyways. So, but yeah, so that's an update of what I'm doing. It's tournament time obviously kind of i mean not obviously i think i missed the um the play-in games as i do every year like i was scrolling through twitter and people are talking about the play-in games like wait what it's tuesday what are you talking about and i always miss those i mean it sucks for them nobody really gives a shit about them not even in my bracket that i filled out i don't think they've ever been in a bracket that i filled out but let's delve into dive into some of this stuff uh somebody asked me what my thoughts were on Michigan's chances to advance and what they need to do. I, you know, it's pretty much as simple as hitting shots and playing defense. Uh, the defense thing, they've pretty much gotten down pat. Um, you know, if they're healthy, I'm not really worried about their defense. I mean, maybe when they get, if Nevada advances and they get there and they play Nevada, Nevada, however you want to say it. You know, maybe they have trouble with the Martin Bros and I think a, and a couple other guys that are good on that team. You know, it's the one game randomness, but they just stick to what they what they know well. I think I've heard a lot of people complain about their offense and the stagnation there that they've had in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think part of that is just playing the Big Ten over and over and over and teams just know how to scout you and they've seen you before and it just gets it's just like trying to run through quicksand like it's not always easy there's definitely a lot of things that can shore up just like any other team in the tournament besides having zion williamson so i don't think they're gonna have too big of an issue but you know their ups and downs with shooting they're ripe for for an upset um like i said like other teams so don't be surprised if they lose. I'm not going to be surprised if they advance, but they got a, they got some good teams. I mean, I like Buffalo in that side of the bracket, Texas Tech. Like I said, Nevada. Um, I even like Florida State on the other side. Gonzaga, I guess, is good. I don't know. I haven't really watched them. Um, so, yeah, it'll be tough for them. <laughs> I got on Twitter, as I always do, and... Now I think my Twitter has just been curated. Like in March, it's just been all Michigan basketball, and like, and now I hear it's just Michigan, Michigan State for like the last like three weeks. Like I'm going crazy. My mind is going to explode. I even tried to go into my settings and get like the trends button off. That has not worked. It's just, oh hey, there's Nick Baumgartner. Oh hey, Ant Wright's tweeting. Oh Scott Bell. Okay, great. Over and over and over again. Which is fine. I read them all. They're all great. I love all those guys. But it's like, give me something else. Christ's sake, I'm going through the search on Twitter so I can just go read some articles about something. I'll read politics. I don't give a shit. Give me something else. But it's March, so I really have nowhere to turn. 
But people were complaining. All right, both sides. Michigan State was complaining about the draw, and then Michigan was like, no, it's not as bad as our draw. Okay, if that's the fight you guys want to have, I mean, that's fine. It's it's funny when nobody – you only complain about the draw, right, when you lose. When you win and you're playing cupcake teams and, like, teams that upset other teams, right, nobody talks about that when you go through that term. Like, you make a deep title run uh, or a deep or final four run, nobody talks about who you played uh, going on that run, okay? But those losses, man, oh, those losses will stick. Oh, we had to play this, and it was much tougher than this team's road. To, and it was blah, 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 you know. All right, dude, the randomness, it kind of goes back and forth. Like, you to complain about randomness is a little odd. Um, and I get some of the gripes with the selection committee, but throughout the years, it's probably going to be pretty balanced one way or the other. And at the end of the day, like, you, you just got to win games and, and, you know, play the team in front of you. Like, if you're really going to, like, if you're really going to go that far, like, why not take it all the way? Like, why not dissect, like, every single team's path? through the tournament like you could do that you could tire yourself out but it's 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 pointless but i guess if you want to center it around michigan and michigan state which is fun to do uh in a rivalry like i totally get that it's fun to do i i got swept up in it with some ant Wright tweets uh shout out to anthony Wright. um if you're in tune with michigan twitter you you know him <laughs> it's funny to see him rile up uh people on both sides because this man knows exactly what he's doing okay he might believe some of the things he says. I don't think he believes everything he says. I think he exaggerates some things for a rise and a response out of people. And he gets it damn near every time. Like, you guys play right into his hand. It's beautiful to watch. It really is. I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, he used to do that shit while we were playing. <laughs> it was annoying at times. But uh, he really knows how to use Twitter. It's it's really brilliant. Um, so I have all the respect for him there. But he was talking about... Michigan State complaining about their draw, right, with Duke on the other side. And he's right, I think. I mean, just from on paper, like, Louisville or Minnesota aren't really all that scary. They can definitely beat Michigan State. Um, But, you know, Duke's on the other side of the bracket. you got to win games to get there. And so if you want to complain that you have to play Duke in the Elite Eight, fine. All right, complain about that. That's cool. But first, make it there, and then we can start complaining. Like, don't, you know, don't count... Uh, wow, I forgot the cliche, and I don't even want to use a cliche. Fuck that. Just wait till you get there, okay? Same for, for all the fans. I mean, go game by game. I Don't overlook Montana if you're a Michigan fan. Don't overlook Bradley. Although, eh, maybe you can. If those games are close, I'll be a little surprised. Maybe it'll be jitters to start off with. But hey, that's what happens, right? Virginia sucks because UMBC got a little confident. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm done trying to make predictions, okay? I fill out these brackets, and my degenerate ass knows, okay, I know I have bias, all right? Okay, oh, I saw a tweet in December about Buffalo. Oh, well, they're probably good, right? They're, they're in the top 25. All right, let's pick them to make some upsets and go through the tournament. Okay, that's stupid. Uh, what, what, what's another one? Um, oh, okay, this team has this many players averaging this. Okay, let's pick this team. They look really good on paper. And I know that I'm an idiot, and yet I still fill out this bracket on ESPN, okay? And it says, do you want to enter the Acura sweepstakes, and do you want to uh, enter the Allstate sweepstakes? Sweepstakes, okay? Words are very tough. 
Uh, click, yes, click, yes. Oh yeah, this is gonna be good. I got a real chance here, really feeling good about my bracket because I picked like seven oddball upsets. Like, okay, I, I'm my brain is like partly fully dumb and I'm fully aware of my stupidity. It's a weird space to be in, but nevertheless, it never stops me from putting money on these games and you know, eventually I'm gonna hit big, right? That's what I tell myself. One of these years, and I think this is what goes for everyone, one of these years I'm going to have just a really good bracket. Uh, you know, it's going to happen before I die. No, it's probably not, but it'll keep you It'll keep you betting. You know, I'm really lucky that uh, day-to-day, the, what's it called? Jesus. Whatever, I use DraftKings, all right? DraftKings is blocked overseas, thank God. Um, my off, You know, the offshore kind of betting sites, illegal betting sites, okay, I'm not gonna give you my credit card knock on wood i haven't had my identity stolen yet you know yet it's gonna happen but i really don't feel like giving my information to you um i'm a little too cavalier with that as it is already probably shouldn't be putting that on the airwaves anyways so i am lucky to be in israel and kind of uh just laziness from not using in the internet and then being blocked from DraftKings. so i save myself from betting all the time um, but then when I do bet, I still tell myself like I'm going to be good at it, even when I have to do zero research and just go off of literally nothing. I mean, I could just go off of the colors of jerseys. I'd be way better off, like way better off. But, you know, it's like I'd be picking B every time on a multiple choice test. I'd be much better off doing that than going into this with any sort of expectations of success. Okay, last thing I want to get into before I answer like a couple questions I think I got from Twitter. Um, agents and these players that are going to graduate, you're going to see these teams lose, right? These agents or these seniors are done. Some seniors, most of the seniors out there in college basketball are already done. And the ones that are looking to play overseas are batshit blind. Like they don't know what the hell is going on. Now, some guys, I hope... I hope some overseas guys reach out to younger guys. You know, you have some of these summer workout groups now. I'm a part of one where there's all levels uh, integrated between college and um, pros and NBA guys. And I, I hope that some of these overseas guys can start helping the younger guys maneuver the, the murky waters of finding an agent and, find, and just finding a team overseas and finding in the right country and the right fit. But I wanted to talk about some of that process of finding an agent. And my process was, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It was basically like recruiting. Like I, I guess in recruiting, you know, I had my AAU coach to help me. That didn't really work. I mean, you didn't know much of shit, right? Coaches just, they feed bullshit to the players, right? They also feed bullshit to the AAU coaches at times. So there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of people to turn to. You kind of just go through it for yourself. And it's the same with finding an agent if you want to play overseas. And... And one of my hopes was, is that maybe the NCAA, I don't, I don't know if they would do it. I think it would it'd be better if the NCAA did it, um, but if maybe schools would have to take it upon themselves to take action to help some of these guys, advise them in the process, you know, get somebody who knows the process a little bit, maybe has connections with certain agencies, they contacted agencies, they have contacted uh, people in the know, um, maybe the schools can bring back former players for consulting 
because the coaches don't know, right? Like I wasn't going to turn to Beeline for help and finding an agent and for life after basketball. Like once college basketball was done, you know, he wasn't going to help me anymore. Maybe he could have helped me like get into Portsmouth. Portsmouth, that didn't work. Like I didn't get in there. Other than that, like he doesn't know about that life. But why would he? He's got too much on his plate as it is. He's not going to know. Like you, you go to your coaches for help for certain things and you, and you think – that maybe they know about the next level. Um, you know, maybe college, you know, college guys, you know, know NBA guys because the NBA teams will contact those college coaches, right? They know scouts. They interact with them. Um, but they don't interact with overseas guys, really. I mean, maybe some do, but I, I highly doubt it. Like, the blame is not to be put on there for the coaches. You know, I want to – I'll get into my process a little bit because, you know, Bakari Alexander, our assistant coach, did actually help me a little bit. And I was very thankful for that. And, you know, just in terms of having connections. So – I was contacted, the first guy who contacted me was an agent uh, from Germany, a German guy, his towering guy, probably with like the name Wolfson or something, I don't know, something German. He was 6'8", big guy, I met with him on North Campus uh, at U of M, it was this like the second time I've ever been on North Campus, uh, so I was like, oh, this is a whole new world, I've never been here, it was my senior year, uh, sometime in April after the tournament, and obviously after the tournament. And I sat down with him, and he talked about how he could open doors in Germany and how he foresees uh, maybe my first couple of years going and what he could do for me and another players, other players that he's signing. Um, it wasn't many. I think it was like the, that white point guard that played at Vanderbilt that was the same year as me. I can't remember that guy's name. He was good, though. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, you know, it was a quick meeting, and you know, I talked to my dad afterwards right away and I called him up and he was like, how'd it go? And I was like, you know, everything sounded good. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, I don't know what questions to ask. I don't know how to talk to this guy. Like, you know, it all sounded great. Like I, I would hire this guy in a heartbeat. Like, I don't know any different. And I almost did, you know, BA, uh, Bakari Alexander eventually put me in contact. I think it's his agent or former agent. I don't know, it was his friend. His name was David Saltzman. And I ended up going with him because he told me that, with my mother's heritage, I could get an Israeli passport and, you know, go that route and that route, um, you know, maneuvering my way through Germany, which would have been, you know, the second or third division and trying to move up, um, you know, didn't sound as secure as finding it, as getting an Israeli passport and going that route. And the, that German guy wasn't going to help me get that Israeli passport, right? He didn't know that process, but the David Salzman did. And so I went that way. And it's crazy to think about I only took two meetings, right? I think other agents contacted me. Um, one that I didn't really trust to talk to. Maybe I think, no, I think maybe I took another phone call or two, but I didn't do like a full, full research. I didn't sit down with a bunch of agents face to face. Like it was very few. And then I made my decision, which is crazy to think about because since six years old, I wanted to play professional basketball. And I went into this process and the importance of your agent in your career I cannot be understated, okay? I've learned this the hard way. Like, your agent is super, super, super important, and you don't learn the ropes until you get in the middle of it, which can derail some guys' careers or make some guys' careers. Um, but I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and this was my dream since six, okay? But I had no idea what was going on. And I had all this time to think about it, but, like, I never heard about 
uh, finding an overseas agent. I didn't know that you f- you guys find an American agent and then that American agent contacts overseas agents. I mean, I guess that's pretty self-explanatory when you think about it, but like I had no idea about any of this. So my hope is that NCAA can help with that. I know they have the money for it. I know they can advise players. They can, you know, they have like the NBA has that draft advisory board, right? Where they do the research. Like the NCAA can, it wouldn't take much to to find contacts, to find agents, to find advisors, to pay somebody for consulting. It wouldn't find much. I think it's going to be a, an open market um, job or an open market uh, solution. Somebody in the private sector. Um, I want to sh- I want to shout out right now Point Advising and a guy named Carlin Brown who actually played for the team I'm playing for right now. He played from I think it was six years ago. Injuries ended up during, derailing his career, but he went through the same things that. A lot of overseas guys go through the questions you have with agency, the questions you have with the new country you're going to and maneuvering those leagues. And he's trying to help um, college players and overseas guys. And he does a really great job. Um, He does a really good job helping players. Uh, He's at Point Advising on Twitter and at Point Advising on Instagram. Here on Instagram it says, Sports Career Consultant. Helping post-college NCAA basketball players transition from playing in college to playing professionally. Uh, he's not an agent. He's got his website is pointadvising.com. He's got a podcast on there and other help on there. Um, you know, he's been through it. He knows it. Like to this day, like every, weekly, we in the locker room sit there and complain about and voice our opinions on things pertaining to the struggles of trying to figure everything out and going on your own and. You know, is my agent helping me? Is he not? You know, is the team looking out for my best interest? No, they're not. And, and you know, how to deal with that. So I'm really glad that he started that up. And I hope he really grows um, his business and really helps a lot of guys. I've kind of dabbled with the idea of getting into that a little bit. You know, we dabbled with, at the Athletes Post, we dabbled with the idea of creating kind of like a, how-to guide in each country and the leagues and like dissecting uh, in print form like what each country and what each league is like and what teams are like and like feedback from players it is just it's a lot of information to obtain from so many different people so it's, we, we've hit um, a huge snag in, in, in that maybe I don't know I, I it's something that I, I want to partake in um, the more I want to get into sort of this activism and, and this help with former players and this, you know, my activism that I'll explain here a little bit with Israel. Um, but yeah, it's just, if you know anybody who's graduated as a basketball player looking to play overseas, you know, hit up Carlin Brown at Point Advising. You can contact me, contact anybody, okay? Because connections are huge. Like, just hit up anybody. I didn't do that when I was going overseas, all right? You know, I'm I'm a shy person that way. Like I, and I think that I'm overconfident in my abilities to just figure things out as I go. But I, I cannot state enough how important having an agent is and who your agent is. Um, a little story for me, I had David Saltzman, and then he partnered with somebody uh, in America. And then obviously those two had my Israeli agent who I talked to while I was in Israel and who did my sort of negotiations and contacts with Israeli teams. So I had three agents at one time, okay? And like I didn't talk to them at all, right? I fired those guys because I realized I just need an Israeli agent. Like I'm just going to sit here. I don't need three agents. All I need is one Israeli agent. 
because I'm going to keep coming back to Israel. So, but basically the story there was uh, I was playing in my second year and I believed that the team was taking money out of my contract for taxes that they weren't supposed to. And I hit them up like a few times, like every month, trying to figure out this, the, um, this issue. I didn't hit him up enough. But at the end of the year, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to move on. Like, he doesn't really care about me. It's actually, I think he, the guy who like kind of represented Omri Casper. I don't know. He didn't give a shit about me, right? And then when, when I made my decision, he hit me up. He, he hit me up like kind of heated and was like, Stu, I didn't think you were the type of guy I needed to call every week and check up on. Like, you know, you didn't seem like a type of guy. Like, I, I don't understand. And I was like, dude, you didn't, you didn't respond to my my uh calls or messages about money like money is important all right like when i contact you about money you should stop everything it'll take you 10 minutes to figure this out contact the team and figure it out like that is your job and i don't know he never really took ownership for it but yeah that turned me off immediately and i was like okay so there's some guys who just aren't going to care about you the way you thought they were and you know i didn't hire this guy right so i was kind of thrown onto him because he connected with my american agent so i was like all right i'm gonna get someone who's more personal someone who's gonna prioritize me so i went the smaller agent who didn't have as many players and that turned out to backfire because then I realized, well, the big agents have a lot of connections. And when you're in Israeli basketball, Israel is a small world connections wise and basketball even more so. And so I was like, OK, I, you know, I had this small time agent. I thought he was getting duped by my team. Actually, I think he, I knew he was getting duped by, by my team that I signed with um, or he took a deal under the table to keep my salary lower because the team contacted me. Um, I was trying to get back in the first division at the time, and they contacted me with an offer that was low. And they told me, we have another guy uh, who's going to take a deal for less money than you. We have him. He's about ready to say yes. And you either take this or you don't, or we're moving on, and we're going to take that guy. Well, I knew that guy, okay? I had his fucking phone number, and I contacted him and was like, are you going to sign uh, with this team? And he was like, no. Um no, they gave me a bullshit offer. There's no way in hell I'm signing with that team. Like, that's ridiculous. And I went back and told my agent, and he still was like, I, you know, I don't know, remember what he said, but basically it was like still trying to pressure me into taking that deal. And like, I didn't have any leverage because I, my, like, I was just tunneled in on this one team. And so I took the deal. And I kind of went back over my contract from that year, and things were looked a little fishy that I punched myself over. Um, that I didn't look over close enough. Um, but yeah, so that was a lesson learned. I knew right then I was like, okay, I'm going to sign this deal and then I'm, I'm, I'm going to look elsewhere and ended up signing uh, with a different agent again. So then I fired basically three, I fired that one. So that was four and this is now my fifth agent, technically a third round, but fifth agent. And I'm still with him today. He's got a lot of power. He's got, he signs, he's has like half of the league's coaches, uh, he's got a bunch of players. He, he's been in the game for a long time. He knows a lot of the management uh, for each team. Like, he's, I think he's even close friends with some guy on certain... I don't know. But it's a small world, man. So he has the connections that I'm looking for. Um, that kind of that job security, kind of like the reason... One of the reasons I came to Israel, uh, you know, the, the security seemed nice. And now with my agent now, the security is there. Are there greener pastures? Yeah, like you, you always like look 
Um, it never hurts to look, but I've been weary now to kind of move all the time. And, you know, I don't want to be that guy that just keeps moving agent to agent. But and you don't want to be labeled that guy. This is what's a frustrating part. You can be labeled a guy that just like moves agent to agent and like it makes you seem a little reckless um, and a little hard to deal with. Uh, when in reality, I didn't know what the hell was going on. And these guys weren't helping me. They, they weren't giving me their best efforts. So, well, not that's not true. I, you know, David, I, I still believe he gave him his best efforts. I, I love David. Um, and, you know, he helped me a lot. But like, like I said, I didn't need the American agent. So I had to move on from that. But the other guys, it's like, you know, I'm still figuring this out. Like I don't, I'm trying to shed weight that I don't need. And, you know, I can still be labeled as a guy who's, not easy to work with because he's always switching agents. Um, so it's, it's a weird position to be in. It's not like a major issue, but it definitely sits there on your mind for a while. Um, and it's, I'm still figuring out, man, I'm still figuring out. Luckily I've got some advising there and, and I'm really figured it out more so in the last year or two. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of gossip. There's a lot of gossip. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of bitchiness. There's a lot of, hurt feelings in, in these negotiations and when you get into this world it's crazy man it, it's i mean people know your business um even when you don't tell anyone so it's it, it's not always fun i mean it's not i shouldn't say that it's it's really not that bad but it's like still it's not the professional um it's not as grimy i guess as like your stereotypical agent like what you would exaggerate an agent to be but it's not the most professional, pristine thing, um, and that that part can be frustrating when you're when you're hiring someone um, to do that job, and immediately like you don't know where to turn because you're not happy, but you're like I don't know where I'm going, uh, so it, it's difficult. And so I'll, you know I'm open to help anyone with that. Um, and if you guys know anybody, point them towards Point Advising, point them my way, you know, just tell them to seek help because they're going to need it, okay? Like any, uh, many, many people, contact as many people as you can in different areas, coaches, agents, players, former players, uh, rookies, because a rookie's gonna have a different perspective than a seventh year guy. So, you know, you need all these different perspectives to help you really figure, get, get a f better picture, get a fuller picture of everything um so yeah that's it i mean there's there's definitely more to it i wouldn't want to i don't want to reveal every single thing but yeah that that's definitely a big part of it um oh and one thing i want to i want to not announce but you know in this last year i started to figure out like i said more about the agents more about israeli basketball and the whole landscape and i just got invited to well, I just attended a meeting that I was invited to that not, not too many Israeli players went to. And I think I was one of three Israeli Americans that were invited to the meeting. And it was a presentation to us about what, uh, I can't remember the organization, the IBL, um, Israeli Basketball League. No. But I was invited to this meeting. I was invited to this meeting with uh, for Israeli players. And it was cool to be invited uh, after all this time to be in those discussions. Um, you know, last year we went on strike and the players union had meetings um, that 
really, I didn't get any information about, but I was actually contacted by somebody else, I think, who was helped putting apart, uh, putting this meeting together, contacted me um, to attend it. So that was cool. And, you know, it was a meeting with, uh, I think he's the chairman of the league, uh, one of the chairmen or something, same Shmuel, fantastic name. But basically, they sat us down, they gave us a little PowerPoint presentation about about this, uh, God, I cannot remember the name of the organization, but there's an organization within Israel, the league, or the league itself. It's trying to, you know, finding money and growing the league, um, you know, financially and growing the league uh, with attendance and interest and viewership. And over the last six years, they've really put a, more and more money into it. They've really done a really good job with that. And in terms of, I think, in European basketball, I think we're second in growth in viewership and attendance growth only behind Germany. So that was really cool to see. I had no idea about that. Um, so they laid all that out there and, and what they're trying to do for the league and then opened up the discussions for us about our concerns and issues and things we wanted to raise. Um, and it was a little tense at times, it was a little awkward at times. Uh, we raised some issues about the conditions of our gyms and our weight rooms and you know, injuries and, and management and, you know, eventually got to the rules of the league, which was what we stri went on strike for last year. So things didn't really get anywhere in terms of, in terms of that discussion. I mean, they, they noted some, noted some jokes, jot, Jesus, jotted some notes down. They jotted some notes down and I think took some things in consideration, especially pertaining to the conditions of our courts and our gyms and the locker rooms and the weight rooms um, that definitely needs to be improved if they want to compare themselves to Europe and European clubs. So it was just a really cool look to finally be invited, like kind of like behind the scenes and to play a part in that. Um, and, you know, to really pique my interest in being part of, active in affecting change and just being part of the whole process uh, that I never really was before. Like I said, I didn't take part in those meetings last year during the strike, but you know, now that I've been here, I am now the second longest tenured Israeli American in the league. And that's pretty cool. I take pride in that. And so I want to take pride. I do take pride in being able to voice my opinion and being able to, you know, speak up and, and tell what I see and the things that can change and the things that can be improved here because they are trying to grow the game here in Israel. They are trying to compete on a European level. And so there are things that definitely can be changed. Everyone knows that from management to the league to the players. Like we all know that they have different ideas about um, what can be done and sometimes very conflicting ideas about what can be done. But it's definitely piqued my interest. You know, I've always talked about these kinds of issues in American sports and with players' rights and speaking up and, you know, how, you know, seeing things that I think need to change. And so to be a part of it now is really cool. And I really want to take a part of that now, more a part of that now in Israel. And there will definitely be more discussions. There will be more players' union meetings. Uh, luckily, this meeting they had a, a translator for us, for all, the three of us Israeli-Americans, because Hebrew was way too hard. Uh, but... Yeah, I want to take part in that more. You know, the way this is headed with the rules, we're at a, a 
big crossroads. We're just butting heads on the rules that we uh, went on strike for last year. Nothing is being solved uh, since then. So, you know, another strike might be coming up. I don't know what is going to happen, but I will keep you guys updated. There's a lot of details to go into. I'm not going to them now. I could talk for way too long. But if you're interested, hit me up and I can explain it to you. Um, it, it's very fascinating stuff to be on this side and to see how these things work because I never imagined myself to... You, you never imagine about caring about these things, right? Like when I'm playing basketball as a kid, like I just want to play pro basketball. Like I want to get paid to play basketball. But there's all this other shit you have to deal with, right? And there's all this other shit that pops up, um, things that need to be improved and things you have to go through, um, you know, from team to team and, you know, go through just finding an agent, right? And I never thought about finding an agent as a kid, like not even in high school, not even in college. Like, And the closer you got to it, like I still never even imagined these things and being a part of these things. So it's cool to see. Um, and the possibility to affect real change is something that I don't want to regret not taking part in. So hopefully I will be included in more of these types of meetings and be able to express my opinion on these things. Um, still need to hear all the information because there's so much to dive into. There's so many different organizations here that affect basketball in Israel. Uh, there's different rules and you know pertaining to kids that have to go into the army and that's three years of those kids' lives that they that um, they have to kind of sacrifice at times in, in, in regards to development and time that can be put towards basketball. So there's just a lot to go into, but I hope to, to stay a part of it and, you know, hopefully keep you guys updated. All right, a couple Twitter questions. One of them was about Michigan and the tournament, um, but there's one that I really want to get to. Uh, okay, here's one. What, what Big Ten coach was the biggest asshole that you faced? Um, Crean, probably, just because I had friends on that team and I knew what he was like, like behind the scenes and how he treated people. And, yeah, he was a complete asshole. Uh, God, so many just stories on stories. But yeah, he was, a, he was a prick. Yeah, unrelenting, really, at times. I mean, I was not not sad to see him leave there. Um and get replaced because yeah, I won't go into it, but yeah, that was, it was him. Okay. Here's the one I'm in the show with such a great question. The 2011 team who wins in a blood sport type tournament. So I had to clarify, it was just an internal fight, right? Fight to the death. Yes. Just members of the team. Um, and so I did a little roster check and his question is fantastic because this is going to be really tough to decide. Okay. So right off the bat, let's see. This is me, Zach, Dumars, Tim, Vogrich, Bartlestein, Blake, Smotrich, Corey Person. Yeah, those guys are out. We're out. Okay. We're done. We're done. Funny story. I was at the 500. This is the closest I ever got to fighting. And it, it pretty much sums up Zach and I. I was with Novak at the 500. All right, he was staying with me. I think this was after he graduated. And we get, oh, one of our, we were like going through the Coke lot, all right, and all of its glory and craziness um, and debauchery. And one of our guys that we're with 
I think one of Zach's friend's friend, okay, I didn't even know that guy. He used a personal porta potty at this little campground that he was not supposed to use. And as we were walking by, the guy came out and, you know, people started, that camp started yelling at him. And there was like this big, like 6'4", 240, 250 football player. This dude was huge, okay? We were not messing with him. So we just got, we pulled that guy away from that group, okay? And we were walking away. Literally out of nowhere, I just get tackled, all right? In my back, all right? Didn't even see him just get tackled taken to the ground and i turn around and he's talking shit he says something like we get we get up and he's like don't look or don't something something like don't look at us don't say that and i was like i was laughing like i was laughing because i thought like a guy was like drunk and joking even though he kind of hit me hard but i thought he was like playing around because we was not expecting a fight at all and he was dead serious. And then I was like looking around at everyone in the group and, and he like backed away. Like it never threw a punch, but, and I didn't react cause I'm not going to get in a fight with somebody and get arrested in a coke lot. That's not a good look. So he just backed away and I was like looking around at Zach and he's like, you don't know that guy. And I was like, no, I have no idea who that is. He's like, Oh, I thought you knew him. I thought he was joking. It's like, yeah, I thought he was joking too, but I have no idea who that guy is. And he like backed away. And so we're like, what do we do? Like, do we have to fight this guy or walk away? And Zach was like, well, I mean, I'm not fighting. Like, I don't know how to fight. Like I've never really fought in my life. And I was like, yeah, me either. Let's just get out of here. And we walked away <laughs> cool headed, but it was, uh, yeah, that pretty much summed up our chances in this blood sport match. So yeah, me and Zach are out. I have Esso. Okay. This is my final four. I have Esso, Horford, Colton. Oh, you know what? I was going to take BFL, but he wasn't there yet. Okay. No, this is my top two. It's going to be Esso versus Horford, right? Esso is a tank. If you've seen him, his jaw could take 20 heavyweight punches, all right? This man is a tank. You cannot, you can't move him. He's immovable anywhere, post, perimeter, doesn't matter. He's got the longest arms. And then Horford is tall with a reach and is, you know, a psycho. Like I've seen him with blood pouring down his face a little bit. And then he smears it all over his face, screaming psychoness during like an open gym. And we're all looking at it. And that was because of some foul call. So he's got that crazy factor that you need in blood sport. And Esso just has the body and the will. Like, you know, you don't, Esso is a competitor. Okay. So those two are going at it. And um, I'm going to take Esso because Horford is just too tall. And Esso is just going to go after his knees wrestler style. And that's going to be game over for Horford. I mean, I'm, I'm going with somebody a little lower, lower center of gravity against these guys. The, the tall guys, yeah, they can reach, but uh, you know, you get into the, you get down to the mat and the wrestling. Good luck to you, and good luck getting Esso off the top of you. It says Esso is six three two twenty on this list. Yeah, good joke. He was more like two forty um, and still athletic. So, yeah, you, you really weren't messing with Esso. Congrats, Esso. You are the two thousand eleven University of Michigan basketball blood sport champion. I will be sending you your trophy very soon. All right, that's the episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Comments, questions, concerns. Uh, send them my way. Last episode, apparently, didn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of uh, listens, which is typical for a non-interview podcast. But and my buddy Nick Smith, shout out Nick Smith, friend of the pod. His dad, he told me his dad actually turned off the podcast at one point, 
Um, he said he agreed with the idea that players should be paid, but he still turned off the podcast, and I think it was when I started bringing up capitalism. So uh, note to self, do not bring up capitalism anymore. You will lose fans. Okay, so uh, yeah, and I now have learned from that, and I will just stick to sports. I don't know. It's not very fun. Anyways, good. thanks for the listen. Appreciate it. Um, tune in next week. I hope to have Andrew Dockage on for an interview, talk about him and, and his journey from Michigan to Ohio State and now coaching in the GA spot. So it's already confirmed that he's in. We've got to figure out a day. So uh, stay tuned. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.